Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome into another edition of the West of the Rest podcast. It is Tuesday, October 3rd, and we're here to begin your week again, as we do every week with a West Coast recruiting specific show. I am Larry Gulo, joined by Brandon Huffman, the national recruiting editor for 24-7 Sports, and most importantly, my co-host on this fine podcast. Brandon, how did it feel to get pushed back to Tuesdays this week? I felt like the other option was we were getting bounced entirely, which has already happened once to the West of the rest. <laughs> I was going to say, I was going to say, we can't, we can't get too, we get, we can't get too greedy here on the show. Cause we've, we've been canceled before. It's like when you watch television and there's a show you like, and then all of a sudden it's like on Saturday nights, even though it was on Tuesday before that's usually the telltale sign. The next thing is cancellation. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought about you watching, I, I always think about you, but specifically watching the teaser. Did you watch the teaser for the BYU uniform reveal that they will wear against Notre Dame this weekend in Las Vegas? I don't know that I did. I, I remember the Notre Dame one that they did a couple of weeks it ago. It was awesome. Particular game. It was awesome, right? The Notre Dame one was was a, a call or, or kind of an ode to... Yeah, to the hangover, right? They go and they, they kind of go through all the scenes and everything. Well, BYU released one and it was a little bit in that sense, right? They had some players in Vegas, but they're out at the UFC headquarters and they're inside the ring and they're basically previewing what's going to be a fight night in Las Vegas, right? So they bring in, you know, a next a next uh, UFC fighter. They're inside the ring, kind of wearing the jersey and all that. Uh, but then they also brought in a, ma- a magician who kind of did a magic trick and he revealed the the uniform combination you know puka nakua is is wearing it so you know they kind of pull the the curtain back and then he's got a different uniform on all of a sudden anyway they re- also revealed a new helmet which is going to be a gradient style kind of like what the jacksonville jaguars do with the, with their helmet where it starts off one color and then it kind of fades out into a different color it's going to be blue at the top black at the bottom then it's going to have a, a full black uniform anyway i thought about you because i thought about those poor souls in the equipment room that are going to have to decal all of those helmets oh. throughout the week <laughs> and i thought about the the night earlier this this summer where you had to go and decal a, a helmet or two um the pressure the well not only the pressure but just the the intricacy of it right like you have to be 
so meticulous and you have to be so specific with how you place this sticky layer of of decal onto a helmet. And if you don't get it right, you have to start all over again, peel it back. I mean, sounds very stressful. Well, and people don't understand that. I mean, maybe they do. As we try to make the game safer and safer. And, you know, after watching what happened to Tua Tungvaloa over the weekend, you know, you can understand why safety is so paramount to these helmets but now there's all these little newfangled holes on the side of the helmets so you get this big logo you got to try to like you said meticulously place it between the holes get an exacto knife and try I'm, I'm telling you man the pressure's on and i only had to do one helmet so you know god bless you guys that are doing it i don't know if you saw yale's uh uniforms that they revealed for this weekend but they are like throwbacks to 150 years ago and I do not believe that there is any magic involved. I think it was as old school as they get, but they're pretty, pretty cool looking. Are they leather? Uh, they are not leather, although that would probably be the most Ivy League thing ever. Like, oh, we can play football with leather helmets because we are so traditionalist to the student athlete. <laughs> athlete. But if you look at the, the jerseys, they have like the, the faux stitching right down the middle, kind of like they were back in the old days. So yeah. They're, yeah. They're pretty I see cool. them. Yeah, no, that's it's yeah, it's a throwback for sure. Uh, but yeah, I, I I could just imagine what those guys, those poor guys in Provo, are going through this week as they as they put a decal on on every one of those new helmets. Uh, so a prayer Dude, it's out, stressful man. A prayer out to those guys. I'm sure they're gonna be looking phenomenal. BYU Notre Dame this weekend in Las Vegas. I think that's gonna be a really fun matchup. Uh, I wonder if there's some sort of trophy being exchanged between the independents. Well, you know, the, the winner gets to go to a conference next year. Oh, wait, one's already going to a conference. The winner gets to choose which conference. Nope, that's what, no matter what, we already know which conferences that, you know, are going to be represented. I would think, you know, this is going to be a very entertaining game in the sense that you've got BYU who, you know, they had a great game against Baylor at home and then kind of laid an egg the next week against Oregon on the road. You got Notre Dame, which laid a couple of eggs. Really, they, they laid the one egg against Marshall at home. Had a pretty decent game at Ohio State, but then came back after their their loss to Marshall and go on the road. Or they, they beat Cal at home, and they go beat North Carolina going into a bye week. So it's going to be pretty fascinating to see how this game is played. You, mean, you and I know Vegas is very drivable for, for those from BYU, but Notre Dame is a national brand. So we might see, you know, a little bit of a 50-50 crowd there in Las Vegas, Nevada, which, you know, 50-50 is not bad. And that was only, you know, I just, I kind of like those stadium games. And I, I do look forward to the day that SoFi gets a game like that, uh, you know, because it's always been in Jerry's world. It's always been down to the Superdome or it's down at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. But it would be cool to see SoFi get a game like that early in the year and just get one of those cathedrals of, of, of NFL football to host. I just don't know that you get the crowd that you're going to get in BYU Notre Dame in Vegas this weekend. Yeah, no, I th- I think it's interesting too that BYU decided to go to the UFC headquarters, which by the way, Lorenzo Fertitta, co-founder of the UFC, his son played at Notre Dame. And so maybe there's some subliminal messaging there from BYU. It isn't like they they have they've never done that before, right? Some Well, some, and uh, how about this warfare. for a tie? How about this for a tie? Former BYU tight end, uh, Tavita Ofehengue, T.O., as we know him, coaches in the 7-on-7 circuit, was Lorenzo Fertitta's coach on the 7-on-7 circuit. And he was a BYU guy, was on Kalani Sataki's original staff. And, you know, he was recruited some of the guys that are on this team. So, man, who would have thought Fertitta's and Tavita's would be bringing these two teams together into the octagon? 
It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for, for that matchup. But let's get off with our show. Let's begin uh, our next segment, which is, I think it's become a hit, Brandon. I think people have liked it and we start to overreact on things. Uh, so are we overreacting when we say that Carl Durrell, who was recently fired by Colorado, was a bad recruiting hire for the Buffs to begin with? We are not overreacting. I think we're underreacting. I think God bless our buddy, Adam Mustertiger. I mean, that guy must have a permanent coaching board that he has to work on every other year, it seems, over the last four or five years. Like, my guy can't get a break. And I do remember, you know, when, when this hire happened, you kind of also, you know, as a guy who, my first year covering recruiting in 2003, I also covered the UCLA beat a couple of days a week. And you cover the Carl Durrell program, you know, at 1.2. That was a hire that you just kind of scratched your head and like, you did what now, huh? Say, say what? We, we Carl Durrell? Are, are we sure this is, you know, did somebody get, are we getting punked here? And everything was all heckish, you know, in the early part of 2020. But that was the one that you just scratched your head. They go out, have that great season by Colorado standards that fall. But it's kind of reverted back to the mean. And recruiting has been pretty unremarkable. In-state recruiting has continued to, to, to suffer. And now you, you just look at that hire and you go, who can fix that? Who can say that? I had a guy that I threw a name out there that I thought would be great. And immediately I got pushed back from folks. We do not want anybody with Colorado ties. But like this hire was a bad one from the start. I don't know if you could paint all the hires as bad just because he was a Colorado guy. That was just a bad hire. And it was never more evident than the last three or four weeks. And I would hate to keep slamming the guy because I'm I'm sure he's a phenomenal person and, and a tremendous character and, and all that. And but to an extent, I wonder if Colorado went after someone that was going to be so undesirable that they wouldn't have to worry about losing him like they did Mel Tucker, right? Right. Uh, like, I wonder if they were like, let's go super vanilla, let's go very conservative, and let's just get a guy that's maybe going to help us here in the next few years because we don't want to have to go through this again. And and it, it was it just never it never hit it never hit with the local recruits there in, in Denver, which by the way has been getting more and more prospects. Right, like in in recent years, there was maybe five to ten elite players that can play at a number of Power Five programs. Uh, before, you know, maybe there was a handful, maybe one or two, maybe three guys uh, every year in the Denver Metroplex area, whatever we want to call it, where recruits or where recruiters would go to see these players. It never was a hit. This Darrell hire never really, really took off uh, in that sense. And then regionally, it never took off either, right? Uh, when when you're Carl Durrell and you're going and you're trying to sell a program uh, in this modern landscape of recruiting, where it factors in so many different layers, uh, whether it be NIL, whether it be branding, whether it be you know early playing time and and being an attractive place to go and 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 go and showcase yourself uh, for the NFL, none of those things hit. With, with Colorado and specifically they didn't hit with Carl Durrell. So I'm really curious how this is going to play out considering the uncertainty of the Pac-12. Uh, there's been some whispers, obviously, that Colorado and Utah and Arizona and ASU would be attractive options for the Big 12 if the Big 10 ends up ravaging the, the Pac-12 as we know it. So there's a lot of uncertainty in the future, uh, not only regionally, but I think nationally as a conference. And I'm I'm curious. Are they going to go and be aggressive and get a, a head coach that can be aggressive in recruiting, or are they 
you know, trying to kind of settle and, and maybe not make too much noise. It, it's, 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 it just doesn't make sense. Uh, and that's why I say it was a bad hire to begin with. Uh, like, let's see if they get it right this time. You know, and the irony is, I mean, you look back at when Carl Durrell was at UCLA. In the five years he was there, his first year at UCLA, Pete Carroll wins a national championship across town. His second year at UCLA, Pete Carroll wins a national championship across town. His third year there, they lose in a classic fashion. I know I brought these numbers up, but it's just it's worth reiterating. So you kind of give the guy a little bit of a pass, but if you look at the last class he recruited, even though he got fired that fall, that class included Jonathan Franklin, who ended up being UCLA's all-time leading rusher, Dayton Jones, who ended up being a first-round draft pick. There was, you know, players that Darrell's last class where it seemed like he was finally getting the hang out of the recruiting. You know, they were obviously big in getting Maurice Jones drew. Uh, he, he, you know, he had some pretty good players when he was at UCLA, but at that time, UCLA was still kind of riding their late 90s glory. Colorado had been stale for so long. I mean, I, I think. The further away you get, the more you appreciate what Mike McIntyre did in that 2016 season where he had Colorado winning the Pac-12 South and Sefa Lufau in year four, you know, was able to get him there. But I mean, I was having this conversation earlier with somebody. I, I grew up in the, in the 80s and the 90s when Colorado was a national power. Colorado wasn't just a team that was, you know, going to the Orange Bowl. They were winning the Orange Bowl. They were playing for national titles. And to see the Colorado that the Pac-12 has seen in the 12 years that it's been in it, has just been really depressing if you're a if you're a big picture college football guy. And again, I, I go back to like who are the obvious names there? I mean, the enemy Eric Bieniemy's name is being thrown out. You know, he's an alum, but he was fired after two years being the OC with John Embry. I mean, they're just you know who can be the guy that shakes it up there to get Colorado to be the cool kid in recruiting because Boulder is an awesome place. You've been there, I've been there. Boulder's an awesome place. Like it's a cool town and. There are schools in the Pac-12 that don't have anywhere near the history and success of Colorado, but they've recruited at a higher level in recent years. And Mel Tucker looked like he was turning the corner, but you know, just it, it was. It was a panic hire. And, and the craziest thing about it is the timing wasn't great. When, when Mel Tucker left to go to Michigan State, the timing wasn't great. But it wasn't like Colorado was paying. Now, they were paying Mike McIntyre the year before their, his buyout, but it wasn't like Colorado was completely strapped for cash. Then they gave a really ridiculous contract on top of that. So, you know, we, we've now gone from Colorado not having a lot of money to now paying a guy a lot of money to go away. But now are they going to have the money to make a big name hire? Because that is one that is fascinating. Arizona State, the reality is that's going to be more appealing than Colorado is. So, you know, Colorado might be playing from behind just regionally, let alone national. Yeah. What they gave him, 8.2? 8.2. 8.2. I mean, which is nothing compared to, hey, by the way, kudos to you, Paul Chris. You had a $19 million buyout and you let them negotiate it down to $11 million. Kudos to you. Yeah, hat tip to him. I'm telling I saw one of the best tweets I saw this weekend was, I want my kid to go major in fired college football coaching when he gets <laughs> to college because that literally might be the most lucrative career out there right now. Yeah, yeah. So. Kudos to Carl Durrell. So from one school that just fired him to the other one that fired him about 15 years ago, uh, UCLA, Huff, are we overreacting when they say that from a recruiting optics standpoint, they face a must win against Utah this weekend? No, we are not overreacting. Again, we might be underreacting. September is for overreacting. October is free recalibrating and underreacting. <laughs> this, is, this is the biggest game in UCLA's 
five years under Chip Kelly. I know, you know, there was a statement made about the LSU game last year, the USC game last year, or you know, even Washington, but you know, UCLA's got the defending conference champion, who, by the way, the last time that team was in the Rose Bowl, suffered one of the most excruciating losses in the history of their program. So you don't think that, you know, and a guy like Cam Rising, who was phenomenal up until the point where he got knocked out in the Rose Bowl, L.A. kid or Ventura County kid, you don't think he wants to come back to the Rose Bowl and exercise those demons? So you've got a, a Utah team that's been playing pissed off since they lost to Florida. But now you've got a UCLA team, which, let's be honest, Blair, they have not done a good job of handling prosperity, really, for the last 10, 12 years. So... This game, you know, we saw this a lot under Jim Moore. They'd have a big win, then they would follow it up with an absolute dud. And if that trend is continuing under Chip Kelly, then that doesn't bode well for this weekend. That said, a win on Saturday, now they've got two weeks going into their bye weekend before they go to Oregon. Coaches are going out on the road. Now they're maybe they're 6-0. They're a ranked team even higher than they are right now, beating Washington and Utah in back-to-back weeks. Get that week off to kind of get everybody healthy. But then they're, those coaches are going out and recruiting. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, UCLA might actually go recruit high school players during the bye week. Is that's, that an overreaction, Blair? <laughs> <laughs> no, you. That's that's a complete lie, actually. Um, no, I, I just you know I think it's interesting because you mentioned this being the biggest game, obviously in the Chip Kelly era, and and it's hard to find a big game during that three and nine se- three and nine season, but. I do think that this could pave the way in, in a way for UCLA to at least have a little bit of re- recruiting pool, right? Like, I, I think if you win this game, it's going to be nationally televised. You're going to try to recruit nationally now moving forward with your move to the Big Ten. And 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 it allows, I think, this program to validate itself. Like, there, there's there's been question marks about their their approach to things, uh, their emphasis, and sometimes maybe the overemphasis on the transfer portal. But you win this game, you beat a top 15 Utah, which just won the conference. You start off 6-0. and You have all the momentum heading into that Oregon matchup in, in two weeks. I, I think you, in a way validate that approach and it allows you to even get a little bit more momentum uh, in whatever you want to do, right? Whether that's going out and maybe flipping some players that that are committed to other schools, you know, some of those schools that are wobbly right now, uh, right? You look at Nebraska's commit list, you look at Wisconsin's commit list, you, uh, I guess you can't really look at at ASU's commit list because there's a, <laughs> like maybe three or four, uh, but it, it, four yeah, seconds. But, but even Colorado, right? They have, they have a handful of guys that maybe you could go after. So I think this gives UCLA just a little bit more staying power as a recruiting team heading into the early signing period, especially if you beat Utah, if you gain some of that, that national recognition, if, if people begin to talk about UCLA again, you know, and, and on the flip side of it too, it'll probably get people interested. There's a lot of alums that don't go to UCLA football games. And there's a reason why they tarp off the end zones. Uh, it's just, there's not enough people that are going to these games. You start off six and zero. you beat Utah on national TV. You know, you have an exciting offense with Dorian Thompson Robinson as a fifth year starter uh, doing what he's doing. Guess what? Next home game, people are going to show up. People are going to go watch this team. And and so I think that also encapsulates a lot of things. You get people into the stands, you get people into the the seats, then recruits will start to show up because it won't be embarrassing for UCLA to invite recruits with only 15 people in the stands, right? So I think there's there's a lot of different things here that will factor in. And and that's why I don't think we're overreacting when we say that UCLA faces a must-win against Utah this weekend. Well, and just to put a capper on that, 
you could also make the same statement for Utah. If they can get this win, they stay in contention for the college football playoff, which, you know, strength of schedule is definitely going to work in their favor. They get USC the weekend after. I mean, what at, turned out to be quite a gauntlet for Utah in back-to-back weeks. They got to go on the road to UCLA, and then they get SC in Salt Lake City the following week. But now, all of a sudden, Utah's kind of recalibrating things a little bit. You potentially get over your two toughest matchups in Pac-12 play. Now, again, the Pac-12 has gone away from the two-division champs. But Utah already has that out-of-conference loss. So they essentially have to remain perfect the rest of the way if they want to be a playoff team. A UCLA to USC may be able to get away with a uh, regular season loss. But for Utah, not only is this a big thing for them to repeat in the conference, but again, if they can continue, that would be, I think, the third year in a row they will have won a game in Los Angeles against one of the, uh, the LA schools. That's big for a school that has continued to sneakily be a better recruiting program than I think anybody predicted that they would be when they joined the conference. Yeah, and both of these teams, wait for it, Huff. They're both trying to get to Las Vegas for that Pac-12 championship. See how we brought it all together back to Vegas? This is why. This is why. This is why we do what we do. Uh, we're going to continue our conversation here on the West of the Rest. Thanks so much. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We're back, West of the Rest podcast, Blair and Gulo with Brandon Huffman, National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Huffman. You can follow me on Twitter at Gulo, And you can follow our podcast also. We, we haven't really been tweeting Huff as much as probably we should, but I will say... I'm planning to go to the Rose Bowl this week. I know I said that on the podcast last week, but listen, it, you know, push came to shove. It was a 7.37 kickoff. Baby goes to sleep around 8. It just didn't make any sense. But I might have to tweet out a photo or two from the Rose Bowl on Saturday from our podcast feed. Acai Bowl is going to be on the menu this week? That was the last time. Or no, actually, the last time I tweeted from the Rose Bowl, it went viral. And it was after the LSU matchup where there was an Alabama uh, there was an Alabama sign, right? There was a UCLA oh, yes. fan who was walking out of there. Oh, UCLA fans walking out of the stadium saying that he wants Bama. And I think I tweeted something like, no, you don't. And uh, <laughs> that was last season after the LSU matchup. I haven't been there haven't been there since, uh, I don't think. Uh, but yeah, West of the Rest FB, is it on Twitter? West of the Rest FB, yeah. And Blair, you're not the only one that hasn't been to the Rose Bowl since last September. It looks like the majority of UCLA fans have not either. But hey, you know what? 
Nothing cures. We're both Angelinos at heart. Nothing cures the ales of a fan base more than Winnie. Yeah, we'll see. We'll we'll see what the traffic is like. Maybe I'll I'll live tweet the the traffic and put heading into heading into the Rose Bowl on Saturday. Let's get on to some recruiting buzz. Oregon and USC continue to exchange haymakers in offensive line recruiting. We're gonna call it offensive line battle royale. USC got a commitment from Elijah Page, four star offensive lineman from Phoenix, Arizona, who had just decommitted from Notre Dame in September, or I think September twenty second it was. So about ten days from the time he decommitted to the time he came off the board again, commits to the Trojans after his official visit to LA this past weekend. Uh, Oregon had also kind of been in the mix in in a way in in that recruiting battle. But then you look at what Oregon did, Huff, this past weekend. They had two big-time offensive linemen on campus for officials. Spencer Fano, who's rated as the number one offensive lineman in the West region. And they also had Iapani Laoulu, who, who's aptly named Poncho. He's the number one rated player in the state of Hawaii, according to the composite. He was also their four-star offensive lineman from Farrington. This is the way, as they say on, on uh, The Mandalorian, right? Like the battles okay. between Oregon and USC, they are being decided up front. And I think both staffs recognize that they're going to be able to recruit skill position players, but they are now, I think, jostling for position up front. They've they've had so many mutual battles among the offensive linemen that this was just another weekend indication of what's happening between those two programs. I mean, it all goes back to really, if you think about it, to the Josh Connolly recruitment. And that was the one that went Oregon's direction. Then USC counters back with Alani Noah and Micah Banuelos. Now USC has to watch one of their big targets and, and you know, Spencer Fano go up there. And I, I think to the point where now Spencer Fano's final four is what? Oregon, Michigan, BYU, BYU and Utah. Utah. Yeah. But on the flip side, you got a guy like Caleb Lomu who looked like, you know, Oregon was making a big push for, didn't end up taking the visit. Now SC is making a push for him. They, with, with the Elijah Page recruitment, they've already gone to Arizona once. Could they go back to Arizona? And, you know, meanwhile, Utah's still kind of in the mix for a couple of those guys too. But Oregon USC offensive line recruiting has been a spectator sport for the last probably six months now. And it doesn't show any signs of slowing down. And I'm here for that, you know, because Offensive line recruiting out West has been weird the last few years because it just hasn't been, you know, we've talked about this on this show. We've talked about this on the national show. Offensive linemen in the West, specifically in California, just have not been as strong in the last few years. So that's why USC is having to go up to Arizona, or I'm sorry, go up to Northern California uh, for two of their commits, to the Northwest for one of their commits, out to Arizona for one of their commits. Meanwhile, Oregon, which has done a Yalman's job of going into other states in the Pac-12 footprint and getting recruits, and they've been winning those battles. It's been very fascinating to watch, but it's only going to get, I, I think, you know, the Battle Royale is going to become that much more fierce over these next couple of months because there's still a couple of key guys on the board and the Trojans and Ducks seem to be involved with a lot of them. Yeah, Oregon actually, they 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 saw their number one spot in the Pac-12 evaporate. USC got Elijah Page. They took the number one spot in the in the Pac-12 recruiting rankings. Dan Lanning and Lincoln Riley won't face each other on the field, but there's been plenty of recruiting battles between both programs on the trail, and they might meet obviously in the Pac-12 championship game if if things fall in, in the right place for both of those programs. You know, I I think it's it's really interesting because they both have five star quarterbacks. 
in uh, Malachi Nelson and, and Dante Moore. Uh, they both have dynamic receivers, right? You can make the argument that Jurion Dickey is the number one receiver in the country. You can make the argument that Zachariah Branch is the number one receiver in the country. They both have been doing a phenomenal job of, of, of recruiting those two-way athletes, those standouts that can do a bunch of different things and they just kind of make them fit in, right? I'm thinking like a Relique Brown or, or um, you know, Makai Lemon or a Seven McGee of sorts. And so we're, we're always going to see that out of those two schools. But when it comes down to offensive linemen in, in, in particular, I think it's always interesting to see who goes where, what the coaches aim to prioritize, who they aim to prioritize. And in this case, you know, Oregon's still looking for their first offensive line recruit uh, commit here in this 2023 class. Uh, I don't think they're going to come up empty-handed. Adrian Clem is is going to do something. I'm just kind of waiting with with my bag of popcorn, waiting to see what ends up happening because those that's something to monitor here with about three months to go into the early signing period. Jonah Leae announced his commitment last week, Huff, after we, uh, after we recorded our show. He's headed to Utah. He's an edge rusher from Bishop Gorman. Maybe a guy that we forget about in that Bishop Gorman defense and even on that Bishop Gorman team, considering all the star power, but that's a player that I think could, could, you know, end up being a, a really, really good difference maker for Utah down the road. Recruit performance of the week. Let's give it out to uh, to Sam Levitt from the state of Oregon, committed to Washington State. Huff, what do you got? Sam Levitt's show took place on Saturday or on Friday against Lake Oswego, which has traditionally been one of the stronger programs in the state. Uh, Casey Philkins, the former Gatorade State Player of the Year, now at Stanford. Uh, Justice Lowe, now at the University of Oregon, both Lake Oswego alums. But Lake Oswego took the L against. West Lynn on Friday night, and that was largely due to Sam Levitt. He ran for a 60 yard or 59 yard touchdown, threw a couple touchdown passes, had one of his most complete games of the year. You know, he's committed to Washington State. He's the number two player in the state of Oregon in the 2023 class. I know you got to see him at the Elite 11 down in Las Vegas. We saw him last year at the Under Armour event down in Arizona. We saw him on the seven on seven circuit. You know, he, he's bounced around a little bit when Oregon didn't play football. He moved out to Utah his sophomore year. I, I want to say he was at American Fork or Pleasant Grove. Uh, Pleasant Grove with Isaac Vaha, Utah tight end. And Darius Clemens, who's now at Michigan. And then they both went back to Oregon. So Levitt's kind of been overlooked. As I was working on a piece this week of the Pac-12's uh, top quarterback, or all the commits in the Pac-12 at quarterback, you know, Levitt maybe doesn't get a lot of the attention that some of the other quarterbacks in this conference do. And you mentioned it, Malachi Nelson and Dante Moore. They kind of dominate the headlines in the Pac-12. Uh, but Sam Levin coming out with a big win for Westland and having one of his best performances of the season to earn our re- top performer, top recruit, re- top recruit performance of the week. Good grief, Lance. We got to stay on Sundays. We do. I can't we- talk. <laughs> well, you know, what's going to be interesting is we're going to have a lot to talk about next week. Uh, whether we record on Monday, whether we record on Sunday, we will find out. But it's going to be fascinating to see what happens in that BYU-Notre Dame game. Let's hope all the decals stay on the helmets. Oregon, by the way, heads to Arizona. What a what a marquee moment this could be for Jed Fish and Jaden Delora and T-Mac and, and all the guys down there in Tucson. That's going to be something we're going to monitor and also discuss. I'm sure Arizona will be bringing in a ton of recruits for from within the state's borders for that matchup in Tucson. Uh, and it's going to be a fun one, man. I, like I said, we'll, we'll tweet from west of the rest FB if I end up making it out to that Rose Bowl matchup, Utah versus UCLA. You know, it's it's going to be, a, I think, a good, a good time for us to, you know, really see who's who and who's trying to make some moves here in recruiting out West Huff. And a key game to keep an eye on. 
kind of the sneaky game of the weekend, in my opinion, is at 4.30 in the Coliseum, Washington State goes to the Coliseum to play USC. That one could be, you know, Jake Dickard basically got Paul Chris fired. I mean, he kind of started the uh, set it in motion. But Washington State, after having that near miss against Oregon two weeks ago, uh, took their angst out on Cal this last weekend. Now they go back on the road, but they've already gone to a pretty intimidating place this year to play when they went out to Madison. Uh, so this could be kind of that sneaky game that, you know, Fox might have gotten at that 430 window thinking, everybody keep an eye here. Or it could mean USC wins at 30. Who knows? I mean, if you wanted to be a real fun viewer of college football and you're in Los Angeles this weekend, you could probably double dip and do a Utah UCLA at 1230. It gives you four hours until kickoff down at the Coliseum. You could do Washington uh-huh. State USC. I mean, that's a nice little road trip right there if you're out in LA. So uh, if you do, make sure you tweet at us, West of the Rest, FB, and you could follow Huffman at Brandon Huffman. You can follow me at B Angulo. For Brandon Huffman and our producer, Lance Glenn, I am Blair. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the West of the Rest podcast. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.